This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. I'll tell you, I am fired up today because how about them Bears? Dan Weeder. Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune again. Bears beat report and enterprise writer for the Chicago Tribune. This story by Dan Weeder, it's obviously very well reported. Covering the Bears for 670 the score and 2400 sports. I listened to you guys talk to Dan Weeder, and he's spot on pretty much for everything. You know, and I agree with everything he said. We want it to be a fast Friday and a fast focus Friday. Dan Weederer. His name is Dan Weederer. Weederer time. Weedsy. With Danny and Speeds. Weederer time. Bears. The Take the North pod. Dan Weederer talks football with you. Dan Weederer of the Chicago Tribune joins us right now on Parkinson Spiegel. And when I say us... I mean me on Parkinson Spiegel. I am solo today, Weedsy, just you and me. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well, Speak. Sorry that you had to jump in here, uh, not only solo, but after such a uh, lopsided Cubs loss and a, and a fast Cubs loss at that. Oh, it's all right, man. I, I got a great job. You kidding me? And I had so much fun talking with the Cubs callers, some very spirited callers. <laughs> Uh, very upset after an ugly loss to the best team in baseball. But then it was able to segue to Matt Eberflus talking about Yannick Ngakwe, excuse me, and then Yannick himself talking about being here. What are your impressions of the newest bear after getting to meet him and hear him today? Yeah, well, look, I think this is a, a step in the right direction for something that we've talked about for, for months here. The Bears needed someone up front that could demand attention, that could bring a level of reliable productivity. And as you and I have talked about previously, you know, you're, you're going to get a certain floor with Unique Ngakwe. There's not a guessing game on how much he's going to be able to get after the quarterback. And now adding him to your defense makes the rest of that unit feel a little bit more stable, a little bit more confident, a little bit more full. And so, look, like I, I think the, the biggest question you have about Ngakwe is why is he on his sixth team? You know, why is he on his, his fifth team since 2020? But you hear Matt Eberflus talk about it today and say, look, like we've got firsthand intel from Rod Marinelli, from Travis Smith, from people we know that say it's not a, a character thing, that the makeup of this guy and the way he works is is top notch. And so now you have a scheme fit and you have a guy that, that you believe can come in and make an instant impact. Now, look, like this is not we're not talking Khalil Mack 2018. We're not expecting Robert Quinn 2021 production. But you've given yourself, again, a level of reliable production at a position of need. And that's a big deal right now. So my perception of why he's on, how many teams is it, Dan? Six. This will be a six-team fifth since 2020. So my, my impression is that he's not a guy you can trust against the run, and he may not care too much about playing the run, and he's looking to rush the passer, which he's really good at. Um, so that, that's what I figured in that decreasingly in the NFL – um, you know, teams teams don't want guys who are just one tool defensive edges like that as much as they used to. But then we hear today, yeah. as you mentioned, Eberflus say that he's going to use him on every down. What's that about? So now I don't know. Yeah, well, they they clearly have a a vision that that means he's going to be an every down defensive end. 
you know, Matt said that directly today, and now we've got to hold them to that and see what happens in his ability to stop the run, his ability to understand what his responsibilities are. I thought it was also interesting to hear Matt today just talk about um, attracting attention from an opposing offense in a way that then takes some heat off your your young defensive tackles and even your veteran defensive tackles for them to be a, a little bit more free, have a little bit more room to work with, have a little bit more time to to kind of get through and 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 dent that pocket. And so hopefully it's all a ripple effect here and his presence will mean something to a defense that's playing with a lot of spark right now. And, and Eddie Jackson talked a lot about that today. There is a, a growing belief and a growing edge within that defense that's pretty cool to watch on a daily basis. Well, tell me about that, because I loved earlier in the week um, hearing from Tremaine Edmonds and hearing both Luke Getze and Justin Fields talk about the length of Tremaine Edmonds and how it was affecting things on their short passes. So obviously they spent a lot of money there with the linebackers, and that's got to be a strength. Tell me about that spark of the defense you're, you're seeing. Well, look, Tremaine Edmonds missed practice today, and so everything that we talk about comes with that that grand NFL asterisk of when healthy. you know. And the, the back end of this defense, when healthy, looks really solid. The, the five defensive backfield starters that you have – are all playing with a level of playmaking ability and collective confidence. That's it's it's great to watch. I mean, Gordon has taken the next step. Brisker has taken the next step. Eddie looks good back there. You know, we know what Jalen is, and so now you've got this this growing fire that they're playing with. If you get an opportunity, anybody listening and and you yourself speak to to listen to the entirety of Eddie Jackson's media session today, you feel an excitement from a guy who's been here a lot. Now, Eddie has a, a tremendous self awareness and said, "Look, I understand that I've said." More than once in training camp, there's a different feeling this year, and it hasn't always resulted in anything during the regular season, but he said there's a different feeling here. I can echo that sentiment because the different feeling for me is is these guys are are playing with a level of outward passion that has been infectious through training camp. Now, it's got to be backed by results in the regular season, and the only way you can have that that passion come out to the levels it's come out is to be consistently making plays. But, man, like it's there, and they feel like they've got a group of guys who absolutely love playing football, and when you combine that with the ability to make plays and then also love playing football, now all of a sudden you start to um, – you're no longer on the stairs on your climb. You can get on the escalator. Man, that's exciting. It's cool to hear you excited about that, uh, about like a, a position group in that way. So you said five and then mentioned four. Tyreek Stevenson, the yeah. fifth. And it, are you buying that it's a competition between him and Terrell Smith? Or is that just Eberflus using the opportunity to try and get them both playing a little hungrier? Yeah, I, I think it's more the latter, but I think it's a competition that that Tyreek Stevenson is favored to win. You know, it's probably a competition where uh, Stevenson's probably a, a, a minus two eighty, right, to to win the job uh, for for week one. The the thing I love about Tyreek Stevenson is is he's got that defensive back amnesia that you look for. He'll get beat, he'll come right back to the huddle, make a play, and start chirping. You know, and like he just has uh, a, a a calmness and a confidence that he knows he belongs. And he's able to bring that out so early as a rookie. And I, I've told a few people this week, it reminds me of Eddie Jackson as a rookie, you know, where, where it's just like, it's an understanding of, look, I know I've got uh, the talent level to play at this level. I know I've got the mindset to play at this level. Now it's just about going through the natural growth process that a rookie has to go through. And if you remember Eddie Jackson, it was, it was October of his rookie year. He had that two touchdown game against the Panthers and it yeah. was arrow up from that point forward. And so I think there, there will be a moment, this year for Tyreek Stevenson, where you go, there's the breakthrough. And now he's going to be, I'm not, I'm not projecting that he's going to be an all pro like Eddie became very quickly, but he's going to be a difference making starter for you. And that's a big deal for a guy you traded up for on day two of the draft. All right, Dan. So Justin Fields in the offense looked sloppy on Wednesday and maybe more worrisome that than that. The, the, 
the energy was low. Everybody kept talking about the juice. You lack of the juice. You need the juice. <laughs> they didn't have the juice. So how did they look today, energy-wise and execution-wise? So I have a reputation inside the media room at Hallis Hall of being uh, overly interested in the juice. I love the juice. The juice is something that, that fires me up. It's something that for every team – uh, that, that I've ever covered, every team I've ever been a part of, I think is an important component to a team is the juice. So when so they what you're open- saying is, what you're saying is, you like the juice. I do, you, you and, like, and, and okay, and, and I like the juice. And when and when they started openly talking about the juice without my prompting the other day, you know, I I sat up, I was at full attention, and I wanted to hear what was being said. <laughs> Eddie Jackson spoke to some of that today and saying that that some of the outward emotion that the defense is showing is a little bit exaggerated at times in an effort to try to draw that out of an offense that can sometimes be a little introverted. There's a lot of personalities Eddie called them silent assassins, but you have some personalities that aren't necessarily outwardly juicy, so to speak. And so in that regard, Eddie, I think Eddie's words today were, were you know, we're going to keep poking the bear until the bear attacks. And so they are trying to, to draw this out of an offense. And when you look at the long checklist of th- things that Justin Fields has to masters. Add this one to the list because um, teammates and coaches are are, are pressing him or, or pushing him to to be a tone setter for that offense, not just with the way he plays, but the way he sets a tone in the huddle and the way he reacts to to moments and the way he gets everybody uh, playing with the juice. So, who was the best at playing with the juice of the teams you've covered here with the Bears or or, or in Minnesota? Like, who were the real? Who's in your on your juice Hall of Fame? Oh man, you want individuals or teams? Because I, I like I think of I think of specific games in my head that I can think of. I think of the the Rams game that the Bears played against uh, on, on Sunday Night Football in 2018 when they were making the run at the division crown, and they walked into that stadium defensively knowing that they they were going to do whatever they wanted against Sean McVay and Jared Goff. And that was a That's cool fun. level That's of juice. Do you remember that? I think Eddie Goldman may have had a safety early in that game. And the, the Bears offense was atrocious. And there was never a second of doubt in the minds of the defense that they were going to walk out of that stadium with a win. And that set belief. I think, you know, I, I say, you know, like Adrian Peterson's MVP or you talk about oh. a, a single player raising what everyone else around him does. Like that that stretch run when the Vikings went from six and six to 10 and six to get in the playoffs. And Adrian, I think it was something like in the month of December, he rushed for it. You can look this up. It was like 833 yards in the month of December, <laughs> right? That's juice there, Speaks. Like that, that, that's literally putting a team on your back and then everyone else feeling that and going along for the ride and then turning it into a playoff run. Those are, those are two that jump out right away. Yeah, that's good. Um, I shook Adrian Peterson's hand one time at a Super Bowl. <laughs> one time. <laughs> that, that's all I needed. I mean, that was his thing, right? He tried to break your hand when he shook your hand. So. I saw him do this, Speaks, at a Dick's Sporting Goods in Eating Prairie, Minnesota, when he was getting the, the, the team's Community Man of the Year award, and he was giving gifts out to kids at the Dick's oh, no. Sporting Goods. And he, I saw him do it to children, Speaks. I saw him do it to children, and it was oh, like, geez. oh, no. He, he knew only one way to shake a hand. Yes, it was oh. a, a, a rock-solid handshake. Uh, yeah, it's a, that, it's, that, an, it's, it's an unfortunate path we've gone down. Cause now we're talking about Adrian Peterson and children and, yeah, we'll, and, we'll and we all know that, that quickly. Yeah. There's some very, very serious and awful things in there that we will slide away from. You mentioned Eddie Goldman. I, I was reading this. If Wikipedia is correct, you know who Eddie Goldman's high school teammate was? Yannick Ngakwe. Yannick Ngakwe is, is no correct. Idea. They played together in high school. At Friendship no Collegiate Academy Public Charter School in Washington, D.C. 
So How about that? That's a, that's a little inroad when we finally get back in the locker room and can have some small talk with these guys a little more. We can talk to Yannick about Eddie. Yeah, there you go. All right, so back to the offense. How was the execution today? How did Justin look in terms of decisiveness and just kind of you know doing the things that you have detailed very well that he needs to do this year? Yeah, it was up and down again a little bit. My favorite throw of the day, well, there's two, actually. There was one in a red zone period, a touchdown pass to Robert Tunyon from the four-yard line that was just, it was just a, a, a see-it, decisive, rip-it throw that was a bullet where it needed to go at the time it needed to go there, and there was some coverage from Jaquan Brisker, and he squeezed it in there for a touchdown, and you go, that's it right there. That's knowing what you're seeing, deciding what you're going to do with the ball when you know what you see, and letting it fly in a way that your, your, your playmaker can make a play on it. There was another one earlier in 11-on-11 where he was facing some pressure and, and on a third down situation and kind of adjusted his arm slot and, and got it out to a safety valve and Deontay Foreman to move the chains. And it's one of those small moments where you go, that needs to happen six times every game. You know, you need to, to be able to feel pressure, slide away from it. And no matter what the pressure looks like, adjust your arm slot. Now we get into the end of practice and they're in a, a end of game, game on the line drill down to at the 50 yard line, needing a field goal with a minute to go and fields his first rep of that drill was an interception against the number two defense. And you go, man, like we talked all last year about closing games, right? And having that mentality to go get the winning score when the winning score is there to be gotten. And you start that drill out with an interception. Can't happen. First team offense came back from that, got a field goal on their second attempt. But we were kind of joking in the media room afterwards that like <laughs> this, you know, this isn't the, you're not at the golf course with your buddies. There are no mulligans, you know, there, there are no do overs. And so you want to make sure that you get rid of that interception in a game on the line situation and that, that you're just consistently executing in those moments. So it, it's Justin's entire camp to this point has been up and down predictably. So nothing spectacular, nothing that has me overly worried. It's just a matter of whether we can contain um you know the outside world's idea of what's going to happen early in this season so that the reaction isn't so exaggerated when it happens because i think there's there, there's a tendency here to say well the breakthrough happened for jalen hurts so it's going to happen for justin well you know it has to be backed up by things we see with our eyes at practice and and to this point i don't see that level of of breakthrough coming just yet do you see him or hear him communicating more when he is at the line of scrimmage, because that would be a sign. We were talking about this with Mark Grody the other day. That would be a sign of a little bit more ownership of the offense, a little more comfort in the offense. Um, I, I want to see that kind of thing step forward. Yeah, I can't hear him. We're so far away sometimes that we we can barely hear the, the music that the DJ's cranking at high volumes. But I, you do feel it and you do hear it from teammates that there that there is certainly a level of comfort for Justin in year two of this offense, where he has a deeper understanding of, of the concepts and what each play is designed to do. And he can talk that over with teammates, with Luke, with Andrew Janoco, and, and really just kind of sound it through so that they can make strides on, okay, this is where I put the ball in that play against this coverage. Was that the right decision? Was it not? And so you do see that coming. You do see that maturation occurring. And now it's all about, you know, accelerating it and, and getting it game ready in, you know, what I got, what do we got about six weeks before, maybe less than that five, weeks before we uh before we head to the starting gates at soldier field yeah um did you watch the hall of fame game last night football was on television apparently no we had the uh we had the cubs game on in the living room i think we flipped over for one series earlier the second half but that was all oh look at that yeah that was, my good... son was in charge of the remote last night so that was, that was his call well nice choice nice choice young weedsy um <laughs> it's, so mercedes lewis is here I, I have always heard Mercedes Lewis talked about as, among other things, one of the best blocking tight ends in the NFL. Now, he's older now, so he's not 
maybe he's not that elite, but I think he's still pretty darn good. So is that the thought process behind him being here, or do they see him more as a, a guy who can do a little of everything, even at his advanced age? He's as old as you and I right now, Speaks. He's getting up there. I think he turned 39 this spring. Uh, I looked it up this morning. Justin Fields was seven years old on the night that Mercedes Lewis was drafted. So wow. if that tells you anything about where we're at. Mercedes <laughs> Lewis was it, it was kind of a running joke for Bigsy and I that, that no matter what happened in a Bears-Packers game and probably every Packers game, uh, Aaron Rodgers would find a way to mention Mercedes Lewis in his post-game press conference almost all the time. He called him Big Dog all the time. He, oh, yeah, it was great to see Big Dog uh, making those plays and getting us moving. And he got Jonesy in the right mindset. You know, all the things that Aaron likes to talk about. And so I think there is a, a veteran presence, an element of, of leadership here that they want to inject into the offense. The timing was a little bit unusual. Obviously, we know why they signed Ngakwe. They had a, a major need at tight end. Well, you just signed Cole Komet to a, a huge extension. You signed Robert Tunyon in the spring, and now Mercedes Lewis comes in the door. I think they just see it an opportunity to add depth there and add a, a, another veteran who does by all accounts, does everything right and can show younger players how to operate. And like Cole has been very um, candid in talking about what Jimmy Graham meant to him in his early days. So I think this mm -hmm. is another guy that can come in and whether it's the tight ends or all the offensive players in general can set a tone and just kind of show the way a little bit. And I think that that guys will respond to that. I wouldn't expect him to be a major producer, but certainly a presence uh, as much as anything. Um, tell us about the running back mix these days and how it appears to be shaking out in your mind in terms of usage, if there's anything to glean just yet. Yeah, I've, I've been very impressed with Deontay Foreman, uh, more so than I expected to be, just in terms of his ability to hit the ground running, uh, to seemingly understand what's being asked of him uh, in the offense, both as a, 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 you know, in three ways, as a runner, as a pass catcher, as a blocker, he seems very comfortable and seems to, to kind of have the inside track on, on being their top guy at this point. Uh, we talked to Roshan Johnson after practice today, and he seemed like a guy who maybe has his head spinning a little bit as a rookie, which is to be expected. A lot to learn um, was so eager really since the spring to show the bears what he can do when the pads come on and then had a little bit of an injury setback and missed the first two days in pads. And so I think he was very frustrated that now he's got to wait. He's clear again. They're back in pads tomorrow at Hallis Hall. It'll be Roshan Johnson's first padded practice as an NFL football player. We'll see what he brings to the table there. And, and, and you know, Khalil Herbert is, we know what he is, right? We know what he is as a, as a runner. And now we're waiting uh, for a little bit more physicality and game action to judge where he's got, gotten to and progressed as a blocker. Um, and so that that's certainly a, a, a position group that's going to be interesting to watch shake out over the next 20 five days or whatever it is before roster cuts are due uh, because the, the preseason game action is going to be pretty meaningful in a lot of ways. What else is rolling around your head these days in terms of storylines here? Cause I mean, I, like I could just bounce around and ask you about other position groups, but, but, but you tell me you're a curious guy. Yeah. You, you know, all right. So if we, if we go to the receiver room, because I think that's probably one of the most compelling rooms in the building right now, I am, absolutely in love with the steadiness that DJ Moore brings every single day. You know, you just, it, there, there are plays every day where you go, man, that is such a small contribution and it is so majorly significant, you know, just, just getting separation on a slant route and, and making a grab on a, on a tough contested uh, pass, right? Like a ball that's not thrown perfectly. It's contested and he grabs it and it's a first down, you know? And so instead of your punter trotting on and the angst in the stadium growing, you've got a first down and the offense gets a new set of down and your play caller gets in a rhythm and all these things happen. And it just feels like that presence that he brings is going to be so meaningful to, to Justin in the offense. Chase Claypool is having a, a really nice camp right now. 
all the things you you want out of chase physically are being shown he's playing with the speed he's playing with the physicality he's making catches he's developing that that timing with justin my biggest question with chase is when we get into the regular season and the roller coaster starts going pretty quickly and there's ups there's downs there's frustrations there's anxiety how does he emotionally handle all that and that's still going to be probably the biggest question mark on chase in this a, a contract year and so you see little bits of that the other day in that rough practice that we documented with the offense he was you know kind of flaring up a little bit and had to be told uh, by, by a couple different teammates, like just rein it in a little bit, like calm it down a little bit because that, that passion can get out of control at times. And, and it can, it can suddenly be a fire that, that burns everything down instead of energizing everything. And so that is something I really want to keep an eye on uh, with Chase. And then Mooney, obviously I think it, we, we talked, I talked with Mully and Hall earlier in the week about just how good physically he looks. And that was a huge question mark I had two weeks ago. And that's, it's off my radar now. Cause he looks great. Uh, that's good. Good to know. Dan Wiederer, um, I'm a little worried about Nate Davis not being available because that's kind of been his thing is that at times he's not available and he missed the OTAs and that kind of rubbed me the wrong way in terms of getting chemistry with an offensive line and he's still unavailable today. Yeah, yeah. And Tevin Jenkins is unavailable today. And Cody Whitehair didn't do a whole t- uh, a bunch of stuff in the 11 and 11. And so all of a sudden you go into to full team drills and you got Lucas Patrick snapping the ball flanked by Alex Leatherwood and Jatiri Carter. And we've talked for months about <laughs> an upgraded offensive line and the value of continuity. And all of a sudden it's gone. You know, it's not there. And you go, oh, God, can we live through this again if there is instability up front there? Uh, Nate Davis and, and Tevin Jenkins have availability questions. You know, I think Tevin's are, are bigger than Nate's are, but when you come in and you don't come to OTAs for two weeks and then you miss the first two padded practices and the first practice after the day off after the first two padded practices, it's going to leave people shaking their heads a little bit and scratching their heads a little bit. And so you, you're right to keep that on your radar until it doesn't deserve to be there. And the same for Tevin. You know, we heard him talk earlier in the week about all the things he's done physically for his body to make sure that he can be more available. And then here we are. We're not even two weeks into training camp and he's already out for a couple days you know and it just no we can't afford that the bears can't afford that we can't in justin's you know pivotal year here as a developing young quarterback can't be trying to guess every single week who's going to be in front of him when he takes a snap 670 the score is where you are that's dan weederer thanks buddy have a great weekend yeah have a great weekend hopefully the cubs get back on track uh tomorrow afternoon look at that invested through his son (laughs) predominantly i do believe is uh, is is the thing that's that's pretty cool thank you dan dan weederer from the chicago tribune joining us here on parkins and spiegel i am matt spiegel with you solo here until the top of the hour get your questions in right now for one last thing you can text him in um you know you can twitch him in but i don't know if uh, we have the manpower to look at the twitch uh back there i guess I mean, we probably we do. do we do okay Good. So you can text him in, you can twitch him in, and uh, we will answer him. And when I say we, I mean I will answer him uh, at the end of the show, and Tanny will as well. The top text here right now, who is Milt, and why are you in his basement? To that texter, I will explain. I will explain that exact thing when we come back. And also, you'll hear one of the greatest comedy improvisers alive talking football with us in our next segment as well. It's Parkinson Spiegel on 670 The Score. I'll tell you, I am fired up today because how about them Bears? Dan Weederer. Dan Weederer from the Chicago Tribune again. Bears beat report and enterprise writer for the Chicago Tribune. This story by Dan Weederer, it's 
obviously very well reported. Covering the Bears for 670 the score and 2400 sports. I listened to you guys talk to Dan Wiedeher, and he's spot on pretty much for everything. You know, and I agree with everything he said. We want it to be a fast Friday and a fast focus Friday. Dan Wiederer. His name is Dan Wiederer. Wiederer time. Weedsy. With Danny and Speeds. Wiederer time. Bears. The Take the North pod. Dan Wiederer talks football with you. Huh. Dan Wiederer of the Chicago Tribune joins us right now on Parkinson Spiegel. And when I say us... I mean me on Parkinson Spiegel. I am solo today, Weedsy, just you and me. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well, Speak. Sorry that you had to jump in here, uh, not only solo, but after such a uh, lopsided Cubs loss and a, and a fast Cubs loss at that. Oh, it's all right, man. I, I got a great job. Are you kidding me? And I had so much fun talking with the Cubs callers, some very spirited callers. <laughs> Uh, very upset after an ugly loss to the best team in baseball. But then it was able to segue to Matt Eberflus talking about Yannick Ngakwe, excuse me, and then Yannick himself talking about being here. What are your impressions of the newest bear after getting to meet him and hear him today? Yeah, well, look, I think this is a, a step in the right direction for something that we've talked about for, for months here. The Bears needed someone up front that could demand attention, that could br- bring a level of reliable productivity. And as you and I have talked about previously, you know, you're, you're going to get a certain floor with Unique Ngakwe. There's not a guessing game on how much he's going to be able to get after the quarterback. And now adding him to your defense makes the rest of that unit feel a little bit more stable, a little bit more confident, a little bit more full. And so, look, like I, I think the, the biggest question you have about Ngakwe is why is he on his sixth team? You know, why is he on his, his fifth team since 2020? But you hear Matt Eberflus talk about it today and say, look, like we've got firsthand intel from Rod Marinelli, from Travis Smith, from people we know that say it's not a, a character thing, that the makeup of this guy and the way he works is is top notch. And so now you have a scheme fit and you have a guy that, that you believe can come in and make an instant impact. Now, look, like this is not we're not talking Khalil Mack 2018. We're not expecting Robert Quinn 2021 production. But you've given yourself, again, a level of reliable production at a position of need. And that's a big deal right now. So my perception of why he's on, how many teams is it, Dan? Six. This will be his sixth team, fifth since 2020. So my my impression is that he's not a guy you can trust against the run, and he may not care too much about playing the run, and he's looking to rush the passer, which he's really good at. Um, so that that's what I figured, and that decreasingly in the NFL – um, you know, teams teams don't want guys who are just one tool defensive edges like that as much as they used to. But then we hear today, yeah. as you mentioned, Eberflus say that he's going to use him on every down. What's that about? So now I don't know. Yeah, well, they they clearly have a a vision that that means he's going to be an every down defensive end. You know, Matt said that directly today, and now we've got to hold them to that and see what happens in his ability to stop the run, his ability to understand what his responsibilities are. I thought it was also interesting to hear Matt today just talk about um, attracting attention from an opposing offense in a way that then takes some heat off your your young defensive tackles and even your veteran defensive tackles for them to be a, a little bit more free, have a little bit more room to work with, have a little bit more time to to kind of get through and 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 dent that pocket. And so hopefully it's all a ripple effect here and his presence will mean something to a defense that's playing with a lot of spark right now. And, and Eddie Jackson talked a lot about that today. There is a, a growing belief and a growing edge within that defense that's pretty cool to watch on a daily basis. Well, tell me about that, because I loved earlier in the week um, hearing from Tremaine Edmonds, 
and hearing both Luke Getze and Justin Fields talk about the length of Tremaine Edmonds and how it was affecting things on their short passes. So obviously they spent a lot of money there with the linebackers, and that's got to be a strength. Tell me about that spark of the defense you're, you're seeing. Well, look, Tremaine Edmonds missed practice today, and so everything that we talk about comes with that that grand NFL asterisk of when healthy, you know, and the, the back end of this defense, when healthy, looks really solid. The, the five defensive backfield starters that you have are all playing with a level of playmaking ability and collective confidence. That's it's it's great to watch. I mean, Gordon has taken the next step. Brisker has taken the next step. Eddie looks good back there. You know, we know what Jalen is, and so now you've got this this growing fire that they're playing with. If you get an opportunity, anybody listening and and you yourself speaks to to listen to the entirety of Eddie Jackson's media session today, you feel an excitement from a guy who's been here a lot. Now Eddie has a, a tremendous self awareness and said, "Look, I understand that I've said." More than once in training camp, there's a different feeling this year, and it hasn't always resulted in anything during the regular season, but he said there's a different feeling here. I can echo that sentiment because the different feeling for me is is these guys are are playing with a level of outward passion that has been infectious through training camp. Now, it's got to be backed by results in the regular season, and the only way you can have that that passion come out to the levels it's come out is to be consistently making plays. But man, like it's there and they feel like they've got a group of guys who absolutely love playing football. And when you combine that with the ability to make plays and then also love playing football, now all of a sudden you start to um, you're, you're no longer on the stairs on your climb. You can get on the escalator. Man, that's exciting. It's cool to hear you excited about that, uh, about like a, a position group in that way. So you said five and then mentioned four. Tyreek Stevenson, the yeah. fifth. And it, are you buying that it's a competition between him and Terrell Smith or is that just Eberflus using the opportunity to try and get them both playing a little hungrier. Yeah, I, I think it's more the latter, but I think it's a competition that that Tyreek Stevenson is favored to win. You know, it's probably a competition where uh, Stevenson's probably a, a, a minus two eighty, right, to to win the job uh, for for week one. The the thing I love about Tyreek Stevenson is is he's got that defensive back amnesia that you look for. He'll get beat. He'll come right back to the huddle, make a play and start chirping, you know, and like he just has uh, a, a a calmness and a confidence that he knows he belongs. And he's able to bring that out so early as a rookie. And I, I've told a few people this week, it reminds me of Eddie Jackson as a rookie, you know, where, where it's just like, it's an understanding of, look, I know I've got uh, the talent level to play at this level. I know I've got the mindset to play at this level. Now it's just about going through the natural growth process that a rookie has to go through. And if you remember Eddie Jackson, it was it was October of his rookie year. He had that two touchdown game against the Panthers, and it yeah. was arrow up from that point forward. And so I think there there will be a moment this year for Tyreek Stevenson where you go, there's the breakthrough, and now he's going to be. I'm not I'm not projecting that he's going to be an All Pro like Eddie became very quickly, but he's going to be a difference making starter for you, and that's a big deal for a guy you traded up for on day two of the draft. All right, Dan. So Justin Fields and the offense looked sloppy on Wednesday and maybe more worrisome that than that. The 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 energy was low. Everybody kept talking about the juice. You like the juice, you need the juice. <laughs> they didn't have the juice. So how did they look today, energy wise and execution wise? So I have a reputation inside the media room at Hallis Hall of being uh, overly interested in the juice. I love the juice. The juice is something that that fires me up. It's something that for every team uh, that, that I've ever covered, every team I've ever been a part of, I think it's an important component to a team is the juice. So when so they what you're open- saying is what you're saying is you like the juice. I do, you, you like, and, and okay, and, and I like the juice. And when and when they started openly talking about the juice without my prompting the other day, you know, I I sat up, I was at full attention, and I wanted to hear what was being said. <laughs> Eddie Jackson spoke to some of that today and saying that that some of the 
outward emotion that the defense is showing is a little bit exaggerated at times in an effort to try to draw that out of an offense that can sometimes be a little introverted. There's a lot of personalities Eddie called them silent assassins, but you have some personalities that aren't necessarily outwardly juicy, so to speak. And so in that regard, Eddie, I think Eddie's words today were, were you know, we're going to keep poking the bear until the bear attacks. And so they are trying to, to draw this out of an offense. And when you look at the long checklist of th- things that Justin Fields has to masters, add this one to the list because um, teammates and coaches are, are, are pressing him or, or pushing him to, to be a tone setter for that offense, not just with the way he plays, but the way he sets a tone in the huddle and the way he reacts to, to moments and the way he gets everybody uh, playing with the juice. So who was the best at playing with the juice of the teams you've covered here with the bears or, or, or in Minnesota? Like who were the real, who's in your, on your, your juice hall of fame? Oh man, you want individuals or teams? Because I, I like, I think of, I think of specific games in my head that I can think of. I think of the, the Rams game that the bears played against, uh, on, on Sunday night football in 2018, when they were making the run at the division crown and they walked into that stadium defensively, knowing that they, they were going to do whatever they wanted against Sean McVay and Jared Goff. And that was a That's cool fun. level That's of juice. Do you remember that? I think Eddie Goldman may have had a safety early in that game and the, the bears offense was atrocious. And there was never a second of doubt in the minds of the defense that they were going to walk out of that stadium with a win. And that set belief. I think, you know, I, I say, you know, like Adrian Peterson's MVP, or you talk about oh. uh, a single player raising what everyone else around him does. Like that that stretch run when the Vikings went from six and six to ten and six to get in the playoffs. And Adrian, I think it was something like in the month of December, he rushed for it. You can look this up. It was like 833 yards in the month of December. <laughs> right? That's juice there, speaks like that. That's that's literally putting a team on your back and then everyone else feeling that and going along for the ride and then turning it into a playoff run. Those are those are two that jump out right away. Yeah, that's good. Um, I shook Adrian Peterson's hand one time at a Super Bowl. <laughs> one time. <laughs> that, that's all I needed. I mean, that was his thing, right? He tried to break your hand when he shook your hand. So. I saw him do this, Speaks, at a Dick's Sporting Goods in Eating Prairie, Minnesota, when he was getting the, the, the team's Community Man of the Year award, and he was giving gifts out to kids at the Dick oh, Sporting no. Goods. And he, I saw him do it to children, Speaks. I saw him do it to children, and it was like, oh, oh no. He, he knew only one way to shake a hand. Yes, it was oh. a, a, a rock-solid handshake. Uh, <sighs> yeah. It's, a, that, it's, an, it's, it's an unfortunate <laughs> path we've gone down because now we're talking about Adrian Peterson and children. And, yeah, we'll, and, we'll and we all know that, that quickly. Yeah, there's some very, very serious and awful things in there that we will slide away from. You mentioned Eddie Goldman. I, I was reading this. If Wikipedia is correct, you know who Eddie Goldman's high school teammate was? Yannick Ngakwe? Yannick Ngakwe is, is no correct. Idea. They played together in high school at I Friendship no Collegiate Academy Public Charter School in Washington, D.C. So, How about that? That's a, that's a little inroad when we finally get back in the locker room and can have some small talk with these guys a little more. We can talk to Yannick about Eddie. Yeah, there you go. All right, so back to the offense. How was the execution today? How did Justin look in terms of decisiveness and just kind of you know doing the things that you have detailed very well that he needs to do this year? Yeah, it was up and down again a little bit. My favorite throw of the day, well, there's two, actually. There was one in a red zone period, a touchdown pass to Robert Tunyon from the four-yard line that was just, it was just a, a, a see-it, decisive, rip-it throw that was a bullet where it needed to go at the time it needed to go there, and there was some coverage from Jaquan Brisker, and he squeezed it in there for a touchdown, and you go, that's it right there. That's knowing what you're seeing, deciding what you're going to do with the ball when you know what you see, and letting it fly in a way that your 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 playmaker can make a play on it. There was another one earlier in 11-on-11 11 11 where he 
was facing some pressure and, and on a third down situation and kind of adjusted his arm slot and, and got it out to a safety valve and Deontay Foreman to move the chains. And it's one of those small moments where you go, that needs to happen six times every game. You know, you need to, to be able to feel pressure, slide away from it. And no matter what the pressure looks like, adjust your arm slot. Now we get into the end of practice and they're in a, a end of game, game on the line drill, down two at the 50 yard line, needing a field goal with a minute to go. And Fields' first rep of that drill was an interception against the number two defense. And you go, man, like we talked all last year about closing games, right? And having that mentality to go get the winning score when the winning score is there to be gotten. And you start that drill out with an interception. Can't happen. First team offense came back from that, got a field goal on their second attempt. But we were kind of joking in the media room afterwards that like <laughs> this, you know, this isn't the, the you're not at the golf course with your buddies. There are no mulligans, you know, there, there are no do overs. And so you want to make sure that you get rid of that interception in a game on the line situation and that, that you're just consistently executing in those moments. So it, it's Justin's entire camp to this point has been up and down predictably. So nothing spectacular, nothing that has me overly worried. It's just a matter of whether we can contain, um, you know, the outside world's idea of what's going to happen early in this season so that the reaction isn't so exaggerated when it happens, because I think there's, there's a tendency here to say, well, the breakthrough happened for Jalen hurts. So it's going to happen for Justin. Well, you know, it has to be backed up by things we see with our eyes at practice. And, And to this point, I don't see that level of, of breakthrough coming just yet. Do you see him or hear him communicating more when he is at the line of scrimmage? Because that would be a sign. We were talking about this with Mark Grody the other day. That would be a sign of a little bit more ownership of the offense, a little more comfort in the offense. Um, I I, want to see that kind of thing step forward. Yeah, I can't hear him. We're so far away sometimes that we we can barely hear the the music that the DJ is cranking at high volumes. But you do feel it. And you do hear it from teammates that there that there is certainly a level of comfort for Justin in year two of this offense where he has a deeper understanding of of the concepts and what each play is designed to do. And he can talk that over with teammates, with Luke, with Andrew Janoco, and, and really just kind of sound it through so that they can make strides on, okay, this is where I put the ball in that play against this coverage. Was that the right decision? Was it not? And so you do see that coming. You do see that maturation occurring. And now it's all about, you know, accelerating it and and getting it game ready in, you know, what, I got, what do we got about six weeks before, maybe less than that, five weeks before we, uh, before we head to the starting gates at Soldier Field. Yeah, um, did you watch the Hall of Fame game last night? Football was on television, apparently. No, we had the uh, we had the Cubs game on in the living room. I think we flipped over for one series earlier in the second half, but that was all. Oh, look at that! Yeah, that was my good. son was in charge of the remote last night, so that was that was his call. Well, nice choice, nice choice, young Weedsy. Um, <laughs> so Mercedes Lewis is here. I I have always heard Mercedes Lewis talked about as, among other things, one of the best blocking tight ends in the NFL. Now, he's older now, so he's not maybe he's not that elite, but I think he's still pretty darn good. So is that the thought process behind him being here or do they see him more as uh, a guy who can do a little of everything, even at his advanced age? He's as old as you and I right now, Speaks. He's getting up there. I think he turned 39 this spring. I uh, looked it up this morning. Justin Fields was seven years old on the night that Mercedes Lewis was drafted. So wow. if that tells you anything about where we're at. Mercedes Lewis, was it, it was kind of a running joke for Bigsy and I that, that no matter what happened in a Bears-Packers game and probably every Packers game, uh, Aaron Rodgers would find a way 
to mention Mercedes Lewis in his post-game press conference almost all the time. He called him Big Dog all the time. He, oh, yeah, it was great to see Big Dog uh, making those plays and getting us moving. And he got Jonesy in the right mindset, you know, all the things that Aaron likes to talk about. And so I think there is a, a veteran presence, an element of, of leadership here that they want to inject into the offense. The timing was a little bit unusual. Obviously, we know why they signed Ngakwe. They had a, a major need at tight end. Well, you just signed Cole Komet to a, a huge extension. You signed Robert Tunyon in the spring, and now Mercedes Lewis comes in the door. I think they just see it an opportunity to add depth there and add another veteran who does by all accounts, does everything right and can show younger players how to operate. And like Cole has been very um, candid in talking about what Jimmy Graham meant to him in his early days. So I think this Mm -hmm. is another guy that can come in and whether it's the tight ends or all the offensive players in general can set a tone and just kind of show the way a little bit. And I think that that guys will respond to that. I wouldn't expect him to be a major producer, but certainly a presence uh, as much as anything. Um, tell us about the running back mix these days and how it appears to be shaking out in your mind in terms of usage, if there's anything to glean just yet. Yeah, I've, I've been very impressed with Deontay Foreman, uh, more so than I expected to be, just in terms of his ability to hit the ground running, uh, to seemingly understand what's being asked of him uh, in the offense, both as a, 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 you know, in three ways, as a runner, as a pass catcher, as a blocker, he seems very comfortable and seems to, to kind of have the inside track on, on being their top guy at this point. Uh, we talked to Roshan Johnson after practice today, and he seemed like a guy who maybe has his head spinning a little bit as a rookie, which is to be expected. A lot to learn um, was so eager really since the spring to show the bears what he can do when the pads come on and then had a little bit of an injury setback and missed the first two days in pads. And so I think he was very frustrated that now he's got to wait. He's clear again. They're back in pads tomorrow at house hall. It'll be Roshan Johnson's first padded practice as an NFL football player. We'll see what he brings to the table there. And, 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 you know, Khalil Herbert is, we know what he is, right? We know what he is as a, as a runner. And now we're waiting uh, for a little bit more physicality and game action to judge where he's got, gotten to and progressed as a blocker. Um, and so that, that's certainly a, a, a position group that's going to be interesting to watch shake out over the next 20 five days or whatever it is before roster cuts are due uh, because the, the preseason game action is going to be pretty meaningful in a lot of ways. What else is rolling around your head these days in terms of storylines here? Cause I mean, I, like I could just bounce around and ask you about other position groups, but, but, but you tell me you're a curious guy. Yeah. You, you know, all right. So if we, if we go to the receiver room, because I think that's probably one of the most compelling rooms in the building right now, I am, absolutely in love with the steadiness that DJ Moore brings every single day. You know, you just, there, there are plays every day where you go, man, that is such a small contribution and it is so majorly significant, you know, just, just getting separation on a slant route and and making a grab on a, on a tough contested uh, pass, right? Like a ball that's not thrown perfectly. It's contested and he grabs it and it's a first down, you know? And so instead of your punter trotting on and the angst in the stadium growing, you've got a first down and the offense gets a new set of down and your play caller gets in a rhythm and all these things happen. And it just feels like that presence that he brings is going to be so meaningful to, to Justin in the offense. Chase Claypool is having a, a really nice camp right now. All the things you, you, want out of chase physically are being shown he's playing with the speed he's playing with the physicality he's making catches he's developing that that timing with justin my biggest question with chase is when we get into the regular season and the roller coaster starts going pretty quickly and there's ups there's downs there's frustrations there's anxiety how does he emotionally handle all that and that's still going to be probably the biggest question mark on chase in this a, a contract year and so you see little bits of that the other day in that rough practice that we documented with the offense he was you know kind of flaring up a little bit and had to be told uh, by, by a couple different teammates, like just 
rein it in a little bit, like calm it down a little bit because that, that passion can get out of control at times. And, and it can, it can suddenly be a fire that, that burns everything down instead of energizing everything. And so that is something I really want to keep an eye on uh, with Chase. And then Mooney, obviously, I think it, we, we talked, I talked with Mully and Hall earlier in the week about just how good physically he looks. And that was a huge question mark I had two weeks ago. And that's, it's off my radar now. Cause he looks great. Uh, that's good. Good to know. Dan Wiederer, um, I'm a little worried about Nate Davis not being available because that's kind of been his thing is that at times he's not available and he missed the OTAs and that kind of rubbed me the wrong way in terms of getting chemistry with an offensive line and he's still unavailable today. Yeah, yeah. And Tevin Jenkins is unavailable today. And Cody Whitehair didn't do a whole t- a bunch of stuff in the 11 and 11. And so all of a sudden you go into to full team drills and you got Lucas Patrick snapping the ball flanked by Alex Leatherwood and Jatiree Carter. And we've talked for months about <laughs> an upgraded offensive line and the value of continuity. And all of a sudden it's gone. You know, it's not there. And you go, oh, God, can we live through this again if there is instability up front there? Uh, Nate Davis and, and Tevin Jenkins have availability questions. You know, I think Tevin's are, are bigger than Nate's are, but when you come in and you don't, come to OTAs for two weeks and then you miss the first two padded practices and the first practice after the day off after the first two padded practices, it's going to leave people shaking their heads a little bit and scratching their heads a little bit. And so you're right to keep that on your radar until it doesn't deserve to be there. And the same for Tevin, you know, we heard him talk earlier in the week about all the things he's done physically for his body to make sure that he can be more available. And then here we are, we're not even two weeks into training camp and he's already out for a couple days, you know, and it's just, no, we can't afford that. The bears can't afford that. We can't in Justin's, you know, pivotal year here as a developing young quarterback, can't be trying to guess every single week who's going to be in front of him when he takes a snap. 670. The score is where you are. That's Dan Wiederer. Thanks buddy. Have a great weekend. Yeah. Have a great weekend. Hopefully the Cubs get back on track uh, tomorrow afternoon. Look at that invested through his (laughs) son predominantly i do believe is uh, is is the thing that's that's pretty cool thank you dan dan weeder from the chicago tribune